Please fill your cups and come and join us as we talk more about the kingdom. I just want to pray this morning. Lord, we come before you and ask that you lead us and open our hearts to what the Holy Spirit is especially saying about our relationship with you and with others. Within those relationships, help us to love foremost and use discernment to exercise power you've given us in a wise, godly way. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Healthy kingdom relationships require us to be reconciled to Christ and to each other. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he was committed to us, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As through God, we're making our appeal, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now last week, Chris talked about the kingdom tools and how gifts are used. Today I'll be speaking on kingdom relationships and using some of those gifts to discuss building relationships by using the example of the Trinity to illustrate the perfect relationship. Our Mennonite Brethren Confession of Faith defines our confession of who God is as follows. So let's say it together. I think it'll come up, there we go. We believe in the one true living God, creator of heaven and earth. God is almighty in power, perfect in wisdom, righteous in judgment, overflowing in steadfast love. God is the sovereign who rules over all things visible and invisible, the shepherd who rescues the lost and helpless. God is a refuge and fortress for those in need. God is a consuming fire, perfect in holiness, yet slow to anger and abounding in tender mercy. God comforts like a loving mother, trains and disciplines like a caring father, and persists in covenant love like a faithful husband. We confess God as eternal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity, built on power, wisdom, and love. So, Proverbs 8.31 speaks of Christ's relationship with the Father and with us. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. Listen to the beauty of that relationship. I want that for me. I want that for our marriage, for our family, and for the congregation. Within those verses, a question that begs to be asked is, how do we as individuals as con and congregation create a healthy relationship with God and man? When I attended 
MB Biblical Seminary in Fresno, California. I remember the professors explaining to us in conflict and mediation class that the foremost example of relationship is the Trinity. I won't go into how uh, Wally and I fought through the whole class and on writing, but you can ask me about that later. They explained that power in its perfect form is not corrupt, that the Trinity is hierarchical in nature and yet no abuse of power exists. Even though power has connotative meanings in our society today, power is the opportunity to carry out influence in a transaction that requires a sanctioned response. I'll repeat that again. Power is the opportunity to carry out influence in a transaction that requires a sanctioned response. The exercise of such power can be for good or evil. However, it is up to the individual to decide which to employ. The application of power directly influences the lives and the theology of others. Lyle Schaller states, unless power is sought and used for moral purposes, it is almost certain to be a corrupting force and it becomes impossible for the Christian to justify his efforts in seeking or using power. If actions are unjust or oppressive, it not only adversely affects the lives of many, but also provides a negative example of Christian response that others may follow. Negative influences create a lasting effect on the ability of the community, church community to reach out, build relationship, and share the salvation message. These influences are also inhibit the building of community that is central to deepening the spiritual lives of Christians. Whereas the positive exercise of power based in love and wisdom has the ability to liberate create justice, and give a voice to people, grow relationships, and build community. Now, I grew up in a Christian family, a solid family where three of my uncles were pastors, and my families were like, our family reunions were like worship services. We really had worship services at our family reunions. I accepted Christ into my heart at the age of eight at Pike Lake Bible Camp in Saskatchewan. Tears overwhelmed me as I felt the Holy Spirit do a work in my heart after receiving an open invitation to prayer, uh, open invitation to accept Christ as by a missionary speaker. I was then baptized at the age of 17, and after a few struggles and rebelliousness I started, um, that started when a very personal act of injustice was committed against me. Despite my desire to remain in Christ, my faith took some rocky turns in my teens and early 20s. During these years, I faced deep suffering when three people close to me died in a short period. I lost my father, my best friend, and my grandmother. In addition, I wrestled through a failed marriage, the resulting financial struggles with a husband who professed to be a Christian yet was unable to remain faithful. Now, Romans 6.8 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I had to come to terms with my own sins and issues in my life that were holding me back from deepening my relationship with the Trinity making the right decisions such as who to marry, how to live my life, and how to live for God. 
The pain was so great from the past that I didn't feel worthy to lead a rich, godly life. It was then that my pastor in Calgary at the time, Ron Taves, was very instrumental in listening to the Holy Spirit and asked just the right question at the right time for me to disclose what happened in my youth. I was sexually molested at the age of 10 in school, and then I was date-raped at the age of 17. After significant prayer from my six-person personal church prayer team that he arranged, a foundation of understanding and teachings from my youth, and a solid restorative process through counseling, God brought me to my knees, a state of complete powerlessness, in order that I can receive such complete grace that I could never again be the same person. And even though on the outside it took time for me to follow through on transformation, on the inside I made great strides in prayer, in my prayer and spiritual life. And with a heart full of gratitude, I couldn't get enough of reading God's word and reflecting on his majesty. These were formative events that brought me into a deeper relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit, filled with love and wisdom where God showed his faithfulness. And with the help of God and a compassionate pastor, I regained power over my life and turned it around. God offers us this peace and hope despite our circumstances if we only allow him into the inner place of pain and injustice to receive the grace that he offers. So Romans 5, 1 to 3 states, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out on us into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When God gave us the Holy Spirit through, through Jesus Christ, he asked us to participate in the kingdom with him. He brought us into that perfect relationship so that we could know them and know him in a real way. We are able to be a part of the relationship that reveals to us how to use power, wisdom, and love. In addition, we need to understand his power based in wisdom and love to deepen that relationship based in wisdom and love to deepen that relationship. By defining and identifying types of power and frameworks or scenarios through which they are used, it helps us to find godly ways to use power surrounded in wisdom and love. So my main focus today will be on the power of this relationship that is intertwined with wisdom and love. Now the definition of power is elusive. It's because it's of its complex nature. However, Max Weber defines power as an opportunity existing within a social relationship which permits one to carry out one's own will even against resistance and regardless of the basis on which opportunity rests. Now, although Weber submits that a relationship must be evident for power to exist, he also asserts that power rests with one party in the exchange. This definition has validity, but tends to focus on self. However, in the 20th century, Michael Cozier and Eric Friedberg characterized it as follows. Power 
can develop through exchange among the actors involved in a given relation. To the extent that every relation between two parties presupposes exchange and reciprocal adapt adaption between them, power is indissolubly <laughs> linked to negotiation. It is, in relation, it is a relation of exchange, therefore, of negotiation in which two persons are involved. Similarly, Dalton Reimer defines social power as influence that requires a bid and an endorsement. These definitions, based on transactional view of power, imply that power is available to both parties rather than just one, as Weber suggests. Analogously, when giving the gift, the transaction is not complete until the other person receives it. Fully comprehending power allows those convinced that they, convinced they are in a powerless state to overcome their situation and exert power. For these reasons, one could state that power is the opportunity to carry out influence in a transaction that requires a sanctioned response. In other words, the action requires a reaction. How we react to power in a relationship also affects that relationship. Powerlessness results in a loss of hope and feelings that are not being heard or recognized. It can lead to passive or active resistance when poorly designed structures or decision-making exist. In analyzing power, it is not only important to understand the individual actions, but also their sources of power. This understanding provides a basis for determining the strength of power, namely, um, conduct, or sorry, John Galbraith in The Anatomy of Power recognizes three types or instruments of power, namely condign or coercive power that uses punishment or a threat. You might use this in a positive way to ensure the safety of a child as he runs out into traffic in the street. Um, secondly, comp compensatory power that offers a reward. An example of this form of power um, is teaching a child that there are positive uh, effects in making right decisions. Thirdly, conditioned power that uses personal charm or cultural shifts. The thirst for a sense of community in our youth could be used to start a drop-in center to build relationships. It's a cultural shift. Other types of power exist, such as legitimate power that comes from within that comes with given authority, where a president can use his authority to build or not build relations with foreign countries. Not mentioning names, but... Refer referent power that uses identification or modeling is used by a parent to model behavior for their children. Expert power derived from the knowledge or experience used in teaching others, is used in teaching others. Information power resulting from information or facts held clo closely is often used by salespeople to ensure another company does not steal their leads. And moral power derived from the certainty of belief or spiritual power through prayer is often practiced in this church. All eight forms of power, which by no means is an exhaustive list, can be used justly or unjustly depending on the person holding the power and the response of the individuals, individuals in the transaction. 
So these sources of power, these eight sources of power, can then be used in different scenarios or frameworks. So within the political framework, you have control over resources and develop an alliance that allows you to attain the power. To achieve these alliances, people connect with others that have shared interests. The creation of a coalition without, compete, without competing purposes allows for the introduction of a vision or a mission to draw a group together and forge a greater alliance. An example of this framework within our church is um, our missional organizations and our missionaries who are using political power in a healthy way to gain support and employ resources over those, to those in need. This coalition provides increased negotiating and bargaining power when resources are in short supply. But the unjust use, distribution of power in this framework results in the abuse of power, people wielding their power in a tyrannical fashion, or groups forming based on popularity. So power within a structural framework is gained through formal position that distributes authority, rights, and control over policies and approvals to that person who then chooses how to use these instruments. So Pastor Brad has been given the authority and the power from this church and its elders, um, and we know he uses it wisely. If power is abused, then a coercive oppressive structure results that does not protect the rights of the other people and leaves them in a powerless state. We also have the human resource framework through which many Christians work. It is essential in the element in the exercise of power. People, skills, charisma, and personality all influence mechanisms in this framework. Abuse of this power takes place when there's neglect of human needs, or manipulation or psycho psychological abuse taking place. An example of this abuse is when our friends, uncle and aunt, who were fairly well off, lost all their possessions to a con artist recently released from prison acting as an evangelist. Symbolism is another elementary framework. Power can take place in a, in a symbolic manner through moral authority, managed semiotics, or created definitions. Parables or symbolic acts that allow the participant to become part of the story or action in commu can communicate its meaning. This framework is often used in Sunday school and very effective with communicating with children or adults that are visual learners. It's also used in the early church to teach where there was a lack of literacy. Power abuse exists when meanings are distorted or incongruous or when manipulation occurs through this symbolic framework. Although all the frameworks are critical in the application of power, the spiritual framework is central to biblically-based application. It involves not tempting others to sin or participate in evil practices and not deceiving others spiritually. Power comes from spiritual authority coupled with spirit-filled actions such as prayer and fasting. In our society, power can often malign. Consequently, the word power has a negative connotative meaning. Its exercise can be for evil or good. However, it's up to the individuals to decide which to employ in relationship. Individuals have the ability to use a multitude of frameworks or scenarios and types or sources of power, remember the eight types or sources of power, with wisdom and love through which they can work. 
understanding these instruments of power and using them in a manner when building relationships that are edifying to God is critical in empowering others and transforming lives. My life was transformed when I completely gave power over to God, who then filled me with wisdom, grace, and love. This relationship that I established with the Trinity gave me a thirst for knowledge that deepened my relationship with him. It filled me with a love for others that can only come from the Holy Spirit living within me. The good news is that each one of us has been given the power from God to overcome injustice, past pains, and hurts. It starts with us giving over power to him. 2 Corinthians 14, 21 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but live for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, regard, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we were once regarded in Christ this way, we know we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God gave us the perfect example of relationship in the form of the Trinity and from this understanding as Christians, we can model how to use power based in wisdom and love. And as the band comes up to play, and you're feeling a God tug on your heart today, please take time to pray with us on the side and at the back, because we'd love to hear and pray with you and over you. It can be blessings that you've experienced, or pain, current or from the past, that you'd like to talk about. Whatever God puts on your heart, come pray with us.